O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, July 24th. Shabbat Shalom. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the New Living Translation for the Bread Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Bayit Kanan, and it means, And I Pleaded. Deuteronomy 7, 1-11 When Hashem your God brings you to the land that you are about to enter and possess, and he dislodges many nations before you, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations much larger than you, and Hashem your God delivers them to you, and you defeat them, you must doom them to destruction, grant them no terms, and give them no quarter. You shall not intermarry with them, do not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from me to worship other gods, and Hashem's anger will blaze forth against you, and he will promptly wipe you out. Instead, this is what you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars, smash their pillars, cut down their sacred posts, and consign their images to the fire. For you are a people consecrated to Hashem your God. Of all the peoples on earth, Hashem your God chose you to be His treasured people. It is not because you are the most numerous of peoples that Hashem set His heart on you and chose you. Indeed, you are the smallest of peoples. But it was because Hashem favored you and kept the oath He made to your fathers 
that Hashem freed you with a mighty hand and rescued you from the house of bondage, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that only Hashem your God is Hashem, the steadfast Hashem who keeps his covenant faithfully to the thousandth generation of those who love him and keep his commandments, but who instantly requites with destruction those who reject him, never slow with those who reject him, but requiting them instantly. Therefore, observe faithfully the instruction, the laws and the rules with which I charge you today. Second Chronicles 11, 1 Chronicles 11.1-13.22 When Rehoboam arrived in Jerusalem, he mustered the house of Yehuda and Benjamin, 180,000 picked fighting men, to make war with Israel in order to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. But the word of Hashem came to Shemaiah, the man of Hashem. Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Yehudah, and to all Israel in Yehudah and Benjamin, Thus says Hashem, You shall not set out to make war on your kinsmen. Let every man return to his home, for this thing has been brought about by me. They heeded the words of Hashem and refrained from marching against Jeroboam. Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem and built fortified towns in Yehudah. He built out Bet-Lehem, and Etam, and Tekoa, and Beth-Zur, and Soko, and Adulam, and Gath, and Merishah, and Ziph, and Adarayim, and Lachish, and Ezekah, and Zorah, and Ijalon, and Hebron, which are in Yehuda and in Benjamin, as fortified towns. He strengthened the fortified towns and put commanders in them, along with stores of food, oil, and wine, and shields and spears in every town. He strengthened them exceedingly. Thus Yehuda and Benjamin were his. The Kohanim and the Leviim from all their territories throughout Israel presented themselves to him. The Leviim had left their pasture lands and their holdings and had set out for Yehuda and Jerusalem, for Jeroboam and his sons had prevented them from serving Hashem, having appointed his own Kohanim for the shrines goat demons, and calves which he had made. From all the tribes of Israel, those intent on seeking God of Israel followed them to Jerusalem to sacrifice to God of their fathers. They strengthened the kingdom of Yehudah and supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for three years. For they followed the ways of David and Solomon for three years. Rehoboam married Mahalath, daughter of Jeremoth, son of David, and Avikail, daughter of Eliav, son of Yishai. She bore him sons, Jeush, Shemariah, and Zaham. He then took Makkah, daughter of Absalom. She bore him Aviah, Atai, Ziza, and Shelomith. Rehoboam loved Makkah, daughter of Absalom, more than his other wives and concubines, for he took eighteen wives and sixty concubines, He begot twenty-eight sons and sixty daughters. Rehoboam designated Aviah son of Makkah as chief and leader among his brothers, for he intended him to be his successor. 
he prudently distributed all his sons throughout the regions of Yehuda and Benjamin, and throughout the fortified towns. He provided them with abundant food, and he sought many wives for them. When the kingship of Rehoboam was firmly established, he grew strong. He abandoned the teaching of Hashem, he and all Israel, with him. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, King Shishak of Egypt marched against Jerusalem, for they had trespassed against Hashem. With twelve hundred chariots, sixty thousand horsemen, and innumerable troops who came with him from Egypt, Libyans, Sukites, and Cushites, he took the fortified towns of Yehuda and advanced on Jerusalem. The Navi Shemaiah came to Rehoboam and the officers of Yehuda, who had assembled in Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus said Hashem, You have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. Then the officers of Israel and the king humbled themselves and declared, Hashem is in the right. When Hashem saw that they had submitted, the word of Hashem came to Shemaiah, saying, Since they have humbled themselves, I will not destroy them, but will grant them some measure of deliverance, and my wrath will not be poured out on Jerusalem through Shishak. They will be subject to him, and they will know the difference between serving me and serving the kingdoms of the earth. King Shishak of Egypt marched against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of Hashem and the treasures of the royal palace. He took away everything. He took away the golden shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam had bronze shields made in their place and entrusted them to the officers of the guard who guarded the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king entered the house of Hashem, the guards would carry them and then bring them back to the armory of the guards. After he had humbled himself, the anger of Hashem was averted, and he did not destroy him entirely. In Yehuda too, good things were found. King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and exercised kingship. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city Hashem had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to establish his name there. His mother's name was Nema the Ammonite. He did what was wrong, for he had not set his heart to seek Hashem. The deeds of Rehoboam early and late are recorded in the Chronicles of the Navi Shemaiah and Edo the seer in the manner of genealogy. There was continuous war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. His son Aviah succeeded him as king. In the eighteenth year of King Jeroboam, Aviah became king over Yehuda. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Mekaihu, daughter of Uriel of Giva. There was war between Aviah and Jeroboam. Aviah joined battle with a force of warriors, 400,000 picked men. Jeroboam arrayed for battle against him, 800,000 picked men, warriors. Aviah stood on top of Mount Zeramaim in the hill country of Ephraim and said, Listen to me, Jeroboam, and all Israel. 
Surely you know that the God of Israel gave David kingship over Israel forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. Jeroboam son of Nebat had been in the service of Solomon son of David, but he rose and rebelled against his master. Riffraff and scoundrels gathered around him and pressed hard upon Rehoboam son of Solomon. Rehoboam was inexperienced and faint-hearted and could not stand up to them. Now you are bent on opposing the kingdom of Hashem, which is in the charge of the sons of David, because you are a great multitude and possess the golden calves that Jeroboam made for you as gods. Did you not banish the Kohanim of Hashem, the sons of Aaron and the Leviim, and, like the peoples of the land, appoint your own Kohanim? Anyone who offered himself for ordination with a young bull of the herd and seven rams became a Kohen of no gods. As for us, Hashem is our God, and we have not forsaken him. The Kohanim who minister to Hashem are the sons of Aaron, and the Leviim are at their tasks. They offer burnt offerings and smoke each morning and each evening, and the aromatic incense, the rows of bread on the pure table. They kindle the golden menorah with its lamps burning each evening. For we keep the charge of Hashem our God, while you have forsaken it. See, Hashem is with us as our chief, and his Kohenim have the trumpets for sounding blasts against you. O children of Israel, do not fight God of your fathers, because you will not succeed. Jeroboam, however, had directed the ambush to go around and come from the rear. Thus the main body was in front of Yehuda, while the ambush was behind them. When Yehuda turned around and saw that the fighting was before and behind them, they cried out to Hashem, and the Kohanim blew the trumpets. The men of Yehuda raised a shout, and when the men of Yehuda raised a shout, Hashem routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Avia and Yehuda. The Israelites fled before Yehuda, and Hashem delivered them into their hands. Avia and his army inflicted a severe defeat on them. Five hundred thousand men of Israel fell slain. The Israelites were crushed at that time, while the people of Yehuda triumphed, because they relied on the God of their fathers. Avia pursued Jeroboam and captured some of his cities, Bet-el with its dependencies, Jeshana with its dependencies, and Ephraim with its dependencies. Jeroboam could not muster strength again during the days of Avia. Hashem struck him down, and he died. But Avia grew powerful. He married fourteen wives and begat twenty-two sons and sixteen daughters. The other events of Avia's reign, his conduct, and his acts are recorded in the story of the Navi Edo. Avia slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. His son Asa succeeded him as king. The land was untroubled for ten years. Romans 8, 26-39 And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, 
But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Yeshua died for us, and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Yeshua our Lord. Psalm 18, 37-50 I chased my enemies and caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. You placed my foot on their necks. I have destroyed all who hated me. They called for help, but no one came to the rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as dust in the wind. I swept them into the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You appointed me ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Foreign nations cringe before me. They all lose their courage and come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May the God of my salvation be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He subdues the nations under me and rescues me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. 
For this, O Lord, I will praise you among the nations. I will sing praises to your name. You give great victories to your king. You show unfailing love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. Proverbs 19, 27-29 If you stop listening to instruction, my child, you will turn your back on knowledge. A corrupt witness makes a mockery of justice. The mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Punishment is made for mockers, and the backs of fools are made to be beaten. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion. Then we're going to jump into Second Chronicles 11 and 12, and then touch into Romans chapter 8. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, we see some key verses that really reveal to us some of the, a, a real insight into the nature and the character of God. In verse 6, Roman, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, For you are a people consecrated to Hashem your God. Of all the peoples on earth, Hashem your God chose you to be his treasured people. Verse 7, it is not because you are the most numerous of peoples that Hashem set his heart on you and chose you. Indeed, you are the smallest of peoples. Verse 8, but it was because Hashem favored you and kept the oath he made to your fathers that Hashem freed you with a mighty hand and rescued you from the house of bondage, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So what we learn here is that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. He is a covenant-keeping God. And if we want to walk in God's ways, we want to be a covenant-keeping people. And yet we live in a world where promises are broken all the time. When two people get married, they say the oath, till death do us part. But yet, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And that statistic is just as high in the church amongst God's people as it is in the world. Now, there certainly are times when divorce may be required and necessary, especially if abuse is going on. Yet we live in a world where we have betrayal, treachery, and broken promises. Yet God calls us to be a covenant-keeping people, to keep a promise even when it hurts. Now, continuing on, verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that only Hashem your God is Hashem, the steadfast Hashem, who keeps his covenant faithfully to the thousandth generation of those who love him and keep his commandments. There it is again. We see that we saw that in Exodus at the giving of the Ten Commandments. That one way, the way that we show that we love him is we keep his commandments. That love and obedience are in intertwined. They go together. I love him, Yeshua, and so I keep his commandments. It is the love of Christ that compels me to keep his commandments. Now, verse 12. 
And if you do obey these rules and observe them carefully, Hashem your God will maintain faithfully for you the covenant that he made on oath with your fathers. In other words, if you keep his commands, he's going to keep the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. In this verse, Hashem promises that if we listen to his commandments and obey them, Shema, he will bless us and multiply us and grant us success in the land of Israel. The Hebrew word for, and if you do, I have, also means heal. Rashi quotes the sages who teach that the use of the word I have hints to the fact that we must keep all the commandments equally, even the ones that seem unimportant which people tend to figuratively step on with their heels. If we are careful to follow all the commandments of Hashem, even the seemingly insignificant ones, then we will certainly be rewarded with great blessings in the promised land. Now I want to jump into Second Chronicles chapter 11. And in chapter 11, verse 4, it is written, Thus said Hashem, You shall not set out to make war on your kinsmen. Let every man return to his home, for this thing has been brought about by me. They heeded the words of Hashem and refrained from marching against Jeroboam. Now remember, there was a kingdom split, and Rehoboam was the king and the leader of the southern kingdom, Judah. And Jeroboam became the leader and the king of the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north. And so there's been this kingdom split, and they are at perpetual war with each other. It's like civil war. So the Israel Bible commentary to this verse that I just read reads as follows. Though the kingdom has split and ten tribes have rejected Rehoboam in the house of David, God does not want there to be a war between the two kingdoms. He reminds the southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin that despite the rift, the members of both kingdoms are brothers, and they should therefore treat each other with peace and brotherhood. The split in the kingdom is not ideal, and it pains Hashem to see different members of the nation of Israel at odds with each other. Instead, he longs for the time when once again one king shall be king of of them all. Never again shall they be two nations, and never again shall they be divided into two kingdoms. With the establishment of the state of Israel, the ingathering of the exiles, and the return of some of the ten tribes, we are beginning to witness the miraculous fulfillment of the unity between the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And let me just add to that, that a huge way that the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are being reconciled and healed and the rift being repaired is through the work and the ministry of the nation's ninth of Av. And this is an initiative from Christians and believers in Yeshua from all streams um, coming together as one on the ninth of Av to pray prayers of repentance on that day for all of the sins and atrocities committed against the Jewish people done in the name of Christ over the centuries. Uh, The sins of the Holocaust, of the Crusades, the Inquisition, and all of the anti-Semitism that still goes on even today. 
and also a time of mourning over the destruction of the temple. Because truly, we have been learning as we've been going through Second Chronicles that this is the place where God chooses to put his name, is in Jerusalem. He chooses to put his name at the site of where the holy temple once stood. And so this is where he chooses to abide. Now, again, we can talk to him and interact with him anytime, place, anywhere. But Jerusalem is set apart. It is holy. And that is the place where Messiah will one day rule and reign for 1,000 years from Jerusalem. And there will be a third temple built one day, perhaps even in our lifetime. I do encourage you to check out the Nation's Ninth of Av. The website is the number 9-av.com and participate with what they are doing. Now let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1. When the kingship of Rehoboam was firmly established and he grew strong, he abandoned the teaching of Hashem, he and all Israel with him. That is a sad statement. So, it, as it goes with the king, so it went with the nation. And he set a, a pattern, a precedent in place of idolatry, of having numerous wives and concubines, and, and following other gods, and getting into idolatry. And so the nation followed him in those footsteps. And that pattern has gone down through the centuries. It has. And there's mixture in the way that people practice mainstream Christianity. There is mixture. Yes, there are people who have genuine hearts, who love God, who love Jesus. But um, there's mixture in the way the faith is practiced. And there has been a departure from the word of God in some of the practices uh, that happen in mainstream Christianity. I'm not going to go into detail. I'll let you connect the dots and figure that one out. But uh, if you do attend a Sunday church, ask yourself the question about certain practices and rituals and routines. Is this found in the Bible? And if not, why are we doing it? So now, chapter 12, verse 5, The Navi Shemaiah came to Rehoboam, and the officers of Yehuda, who had assembled in Jerusalem because of Shishak, and said to them, Thus said Hashem, You have abandoned me, so I am abandoning you to Shishak. There is a powerful principle embedded in that verse. What we sow, we reap. If we abandon God, He will abandon us and leave us to our enemies, and we will not be under his covenant, under his covering, under his protection. Okay, verse chapter 12, verse 13. King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and exercised kingship. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city Hashem had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to establish his name there. His mother's name was Nema the Ammonite. 
The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. At an event celebrating Jerusalem Day in 2012, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu stated, Our generation had a great privilege. We saw the words of the prophets come true. We saw the rise of Zion, the return of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel, the ingathering of exiles, and our return to Jerusalem. We will make sure Jerusalem's golden light will shine on our people and spread the light of Jerusalem to the whole world. We will protect Jerusalem because Israel without Jerusalem is like a body without a heart. Jerusalem is central to Israel, to Judaism, and to the entire world, and this is not because any individual declared it special. It is so significant and beloved to man because, as this verse states, it is the place chosen by God to establish his name there. Now let's move on in chapter 13, and I want to look at verse 8, where it is written, Now you are bent on opposing the kingdom of Hashem, which is in the charge of the sons of David, because you are a great multitude and possess the golden calves that Jeroboam made for you, as gods. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Avia understands that the reason he has arisen to the throne is to serve God. He tells Jeroboam that he rules the kingdom of Hashem, as the kings of Yehuda are from the line of David, and they maintain the service of God in the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, in Jerusalem. Avia sees himself as the emissary of the Lord, the caretaker of his people who is expected to lead them in the service of Hashem. Because he understands this, God grants him victory. The triumph which was denied to his father Rehoboam, who was motivated by pride, not piety. This is an example of how success in the land of Israel is dependent upon recognition of Hashem. As Asa declares in the next chapter, while the land is at our disposal because we turned to Hashem, our God. Finally, I want to take us into Romans chapter 8. And an amazing portion of scripture that is so incredibly encouraging and uplifting when you might be in your darkest hour, in your deepest pit, in your greatest point of depression, discouragement, or despair, this passage is truly a beacon of light. And I'm just going to read it and then comment. Romans 8, 35-39 Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Yeshua who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for t today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power 
in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Yeshua, our Lord. What an amazing description of the love that he has for you and me. Nothing can separate us from his love. May we bask in it. May we be immersed in it. May we meditate upon this. And may it become real to our spirit. May it drop deep into our spirit from head knowledge to heart knowledge. May that love sustain you, protect you, preserve you, lift you up, and strengthen you, enliven you. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.